0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. You're doing a good job. And in case you don't know, my name is Caleb, and I'm your host. If you are new here, let me just say welcome. And if you've been here before, I just want to say welcome back. And regardless if you're new or not, I just want to let you know that I am so glad that you are here. I am so excited about today's episode because today's guest, Sylvester McNutt III, he is someone who I have admired from afar for a while now, and I have honestly been just looking forward to the moment that our paths would cross. So as you can imagine, it was just an absolute privilege and pleasure to have him on the podcast and really just have an honest and vulnerable conversation about life. Not only is Sylvester so easy to talk to and just an overall great guy, but he is so full of wisdom and I just know that you'll get something from this episode. And if you don't know Sylvester, well, he is a speaker and an eight-time best-selling author and also a podcast host of an incredible podcast that I just love called Free Your Energy. I was also on that podcast where I had an absolute blast talking to Sylvester about what it looks like to expand our lives consciously. But on this episode with Sylvester, we talk about so many things. Like I said, it really was just two guys sitting down and having a vulnerable and open conversation about life. We talk about Sylvester's humble beginnings growing up in Chicago to then working at Verizon, barely getting by, and then to becoming a best-selling author. It's honestly such a powerful and just an overall inspiring story. We also talk about what it looks like to go all in on your dreams, what it looks like to change your belief systems, how you can overcome decision fatigue and why it's so important to simplify your life. The last thing before we dive into this podcast, can I just ask a big favor? If you find this episode useful in any way, it would mean the world to me if you left a review on this podcast, as well as share this episode with one friend that you might think would benefit from it. That would be so, so helpful. And now that we've got that out of the way, here's what Sylvester has to say. You I said something that. earlier, though. Um, right before I push record, you said you used to work at Verizon. Mm-hmm. Take me back there. I didn't. I didn't know that. For one, I think a lot of people probably don't know that unless they really strongly, probably, intently follow you. What was the transition out of uh, Verizon? Did you transition into the work you're doing now? <clears throat> so,
2: working at Verizon was really good because. I knew I wanted to be a full-time entrepreneur, but I, I didn't really have like a framework for how to do to do that. Sure. And I did it. I I didn't really have um like the business side of it. Everyone's like, oh, I want to start this business. And yep. I got this great idea. And that's all good. But there is like a an execution part of it that is really what's going to make your idea successful or not. So working at Verizon, I feel like. I feel like for my journey, it was almost required. I don't feel like I'll be a successful entrepreneur if I didn't work in corporate America, you know, because when I worked in corporate America, so what happened is uh, played high school football, walked onto division one football team, played three years of arena football. I'm making like $150 a game, trying to get to the NFL playing every week. That's obviously not sustainable when you get out of college, you know, you're when you're 21, 22 years old, 150 a week, I mean, that's nothing. So I did that for a few years, and I'm like working in restaurants, just just trying to hustle, trying to make it happen. And uh, right around like 22, 23, I just had to face reality. Like, I'm not making the NFL, you know? I I invested at least a decade, you know, the high Mm -hmm. school, college, and then a couple years after trying to do the arena football thing. I was in Billings, Montana, Rockford, Illinois, Bloomington, Illinois, getting on different teams, trying to get different opportunities. So my buddy calls me. And at the time I was working as a, as a chef. It's such a random job for my story. I was working as a chef in Rockford, Illinois. So I go in to work that day and the manager was like, Hey, I want to talk to you and you can't tell anybody this. Her name was Chloe. She's really good. She goes, um, the company is about to close and I know that you don't have any financial support outside of you. So I wanted to let you know that now we're not supposed to tell anybody. You know, because they wanted to keep the employees engaged and and working, you know. But she's like, you know, I just want to tell you now because I know about the dreams you're chasing and and what you're going through. So if I was you, I would look for something. Literally the same day, my buddy from college, one of my best friends, Andre, he calls me. He's like, man, you got to get on with Verizon. I've been working here six months. I'm killing it. I'm getting $5,000 commission checks. I'm making all this money. You know, you got to get on. And we're early 20s. Yeah. When you say $5,000 commission checks and I'm, I'm literally, I would literally save my cash from my tips and everything in like a little Ziploc bag. Like that's how much money I had just Mm. enough literally just to get by from day to day. So I was like, Dre, you said $5,000 commission check. He said, yeah. I said, damn, well, I gotta, I gotta get out of this poverty. So I'll take it. What do I have to do? like man just get a resume together apply and you know uh, I'll try to put in a word for you Pfft. had my resume done that day applied that day someone called me the next day and, and it wasn't even the word he put in because it happened so fast he didn't even have a chance to somebody called me the next day hey Sylvester uh we got your resume we want to give you an interview I was living in Rockford Illinois the interview was in Wheaton uh which is about uh 63 miles
1: so and my, wife, an and my wife went to college at Wheaton.
2: Oh, a in college? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Ironic. So they were like, do you have a way to get here? And I lied. I'm like, yeah, I got a way to get there. I didn't have a car. I didn't have anything. I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. So I, I, I get on the phone. I'm like, hey, I got this interview. Can I borrow your car? I was dating a girl, Brittany, at the time. I used her car. So I get in the interview. I had to stop at Walmart because I didn't have any like shirts and ties. So I bought a little shirt and tie with like my last little bit of money and put gas in the car. So I'm driving out there. I get in on the interview and uh, it was this guy named Jeremy Wallace. And he, he ended up hiring me and deep raspy voice. He's like six, four, super intimidating. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so uh, why do you want to work here? Tell me why you want to work here. And I'm like, scared out of my mind. I'm like, what do I say? I just spoke from the heart. <clears throat> I said, Jeremy, look, I looked him right in the eye. I said, look, You probably will interview people who have better credentials than me, who are more experienced than me, but there's something that nobody else will have. I got heart and I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. I'm gonna be the most coachable person you know. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to start at the bottom. And I want you to know that I wanna get to the top. I have big dreams and big aspirations. I'm gonna take this serious. You won't have attendance issues with me. You won't have discipline issues with me. I'm ready to go. I'm the perfect person to hire. And based on my credentials at the time, he shouldn't have hired me. I'm sure there was probably better people in the pool. They called me a week later. Offered me uh, HR called me. They offered me the job. It was one of the best things for me. I get in there. The managers that I work with, they were perfect for me. I don't need to be micromanaged. I need to be taught. I need to be educated. So they they will give me enough rope to you know do my job and then they would say hey let's coach you let's teach you you know let's train you so about a year of that i mastered the job i became top one percent in sales so then they're like hey we want to put you in this leadership program we want to put you on the fast track to becoming you know a director in the company which is you know one of the leaders so i'm like yeah no problem so they put me in this program called midwest mobility and essentially it was all the future leaders of the company you get you have to get elected to this it's not everyone doesn't get to this program. This program was one of the most impactful things to my entrepreneurial journey, but I wasn't even an entrepreneur yet. So what it was teaching me, it was teaching me um, how to create sales funnels, how to train employees, how to coach your employees. And I wasn't even a coach yet. I was just a sales rep. How to coach your employees. Uh, The mindset needed to be a business leader. We um, We had business guys come in and teach us different things in their business. These guys are like, oh, I, you know, I have a billion dollar business. Here's what I did. It was just, dude, it was the best education I could get was at this corporate job. And so two years in, I say, hey, you know, I want to get to management now. It's time to move up. Like I'm have in, in top 1% of sales in the whole company for two years. There's no reason for me to stay in this role. I need to be engaged. I need to be challenged. I need to learn. So I tried to get uh, promoted in Chicago, went on six interviews, told no every single time. So my, the director, Chris Dietrich, he goes, he goes, sly I'm gonna tell you something that worked for me in my career. You have to be mobile. You have to be mobile because opportunity is everywhere. But the next opportunity for you might not be down the street. You might have to be willing to relocate. He says, you're a young guy. You have no kids right now, no wife. You gotta be willing to take any opportunity. About two months later, an opportunity came up in Ver- for, for Verizon in Arizona. They said, hey, we want you to be an assistant manager. We see your numbers. We see what you're performing. We want to bring you to one of the worst performing stores in the region. And we're putting a team together. And we want you guys to turn it around. We're bringing in all new management staff. We need, we need fresh energy. We need young bloods. We're bringing you in. I said, Arizona? I said, okay, well, the only thing I know about Arizona is my grandfather used to watch Westerns.
0: That's it. So
2: my whole perception of Arizona is that people are going to be out here gunslinging. You're going to have the coyotes and the little, yep. little, little tumbleweeds. But I said, all right, I got to do it. I have to do it. Came out here, became a manager. That's when everything changed because I came in under this guy named Chad. And Chad ran an internet blog. He ran um, he ran. it was called like Cookies and Milk. It was like a hip-hop blog. So he was working his Verizon job he was a store manager I came in as his assistant manager and he was he was doing his passion on the side that's what I wanted to do Mm. so I'm just seeing this guy who's running this blog he's got millions of listeners to his his hip-hop website he had a kid and I'm like man if this dude can do this then I can become that author I wanted to become because I had to put my dreams on hold because I had to survive Mm. Verizon was all about survival. I had to do what I had to do to survive. My dream, though, was to become a full-time author, full-time speaker. I remember every time they would bring a speaker in, I would say to myself, I'll be doing this in a few years. Every single time. Come on. I said, I'll be doing this in a few years. I'll be doing this in a few years. I'll be doing... I never had hate. I never had envy. I never had jealousy. I always saw those people that they brought in to speak to us as me. I'll say, okay, I'll be able to do that. I'll be able to do that. Has I was keep you, going.
1: Was speaking big, like this part, like author speaking since you were young? Or is this a new dream after the football dream died?
2: No, it was, see, it was all interlaced because when I played football, I was the guy, the rah rah guy. I'm like, come on, let's go. They can't beat us. Like I was always the one trying to pump the mindset in yeah. my teammates. Like, let's go. I got your back. You got mine. We're family. We're team. Let's Like I was always that person. So those skills were developed on the football mm-hmm. field, you know, and then through Verizon, they got to be nurtured a little bit more and, I literally had the best leaders. I had the best people come into my life because I feel like each one of them taught me something that I needed to get to where I'm at. Each one of them taught me something, a valuable lesson, whether I knew it at that time or not. Oftentimes you don't know until you can, until you can look back like, oh man, that person, dude, if I didn't meet them. So when I saw Chad had his own thing, I'm like, okay, I have to go in all of my dreams. Mm. So what I would do is I would be at work. I'm an assistant manager. Making really good salary, taking you know, taking care taking care of everything. Now the the survival mode is gone financially, and I said, okay, I can't give up on my dream because I'm making good money now. I got to pursue my dream still. I'm still a young dude. I think I'm like 25 or 26 at the time. So I would sneak to the bathroom, 10, 11, 12 bathroom trips a day. I'll excuse myself from the sales floor. I'm in the bathroom, and I wasn't even using the bathroom. I'm just I'm just sitting on the toilet. I got the seat down. I'm just sitting there, writing my book on my phone, obsessed every day, just writing my book. I'm like, okay, do, 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 do. I look at my watch. Okay, I've been in here 10 minutes. All right, let me get out. Let me go back out. I go back out to the sales floor for an hour, crush it, just crush it, you know, supporting my reps, helping customers, giving the best service I can. I was literally doing the best I could at my job and giving everything I had to trying to build my business on the side. So here's what happened. I put out my first book on Amazon, and you know I have no platform. I had no marketing. I, it was self-published.
1: What year and is this? The,
2: this is 2012. So I put the book out. Sales start coming in. I'm like, what the hell? How are people even finding this book? Sales start coming in. So I can't even remember the numbers. It was nothing to brag about, but you know, maybe I sold 90 copies or something like something something small. I'm like, damn, like okay. What happened is I had my book with me and I was talking to a customer at Verizon. He's like, hey, what's that book? You know, what are you reading? I'm an avid reader. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this book. Yeah, yeah, it's called Success is a Choice. Uh, Yeah, actually I I wrote it. He says, you wrote it? I said, yeah, I wrote it. He says, you wrote about success? I said, yeah. He said, let me get that book. I'm like, all right, cool. Gave him the book. Comes back in, must've been three days later. He's like, do you have another one? You got another book coming? This was, this was good, this book changed my life. This book inspired me. Do you have another book? I'm like, oh uh, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, I got one coming. You know, I'm just like on the spot. So when that customer came in, it completely validated me. It completely validated, even though people had bought the book online, there was no validation because I never got any interaction. When that guy came back and he was like, hey, I got this book, I need another one. Yeah. It was at that moment that I was like, okay, I have to do this. I have to. And then my next book became a bestseller. I quit the job. I started doing personal training because, again, you got to survive. So I'm thinking as a former football player, this would be an easy transition for me. So I get certified through NASM, uh, National Academy of Sports Medicine, to do training. So I started training football players. I started training general population just so I can get my income just so I could get in the community here in Arizona. And when I was not training, all I did was work on the books, work on books, working on trying to build a platform. That's when I started Facebook, Instagram, because I never used social media. Yeah. But, but when I thought about it, I'm like, man, everybody I know is on social media. I don't use social media. I'm trying to sell my products. I might as well just use social media to showcase my business. Mm. So I made an Instagram in uh, 2012. I made a Facebook. Uh, I made a Twitter, I think two years later. And I made a YouTube. I actually had a YouTube in 2011, actually. I was making videos already. And so for me, I really didn't have a blueprint for it. I just started pumping out content every day, you know? I just started pumping out content. I would post my words, I would post my workouts, just pretty much just documenting the journey. You know, 10 years later, I have eight books. I've been on, I've, I've toured, I've spoken in 60 cities, sold thousands of books, changed thousands of lives, impacted people. It's. But it all started with, I feel like, just following that, like, burning desire that was inside of me.
1: Yeah, as you look back at that story, which I love, thank you for sharing that. Um, As you look back at that story, what is the lesson that stands out the most to you?
2: You know, the lesson that stands out to me the most is that the most important thing in life is your belief system. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Your beliefs become your behavior. Your behavior becomes your lived experience. Your lived experience becomes your emotion. You repeat the cycle. So to me, no matter how bad my situation was, my belief system was what was possible. You know, my favorite motivational speaker is Les Brown. In, in the 80s, he had this speech called It's Possible. So to me, when I'm in poverty, when I'm poor, when I when I had to borrow money to get a car, because eventually I got that job at Verizon. I had to borrow money to get a car. You know, when my dad passed in 2014, I didn't have enough money to, to fly back to Illinois. I'm living check to check. I had to borrow money. I paid it back. To me, it was like, regardless of, of, of growing up in a situation where you didn't have money or you didn't have people to help, like I had a passion, I had a dream, and I had a belief system that it was going to work out. I didn't know how, how quickly or, 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 or how hard it would be, but I knew it was going to work out. I had, I had a belief system. I had an unwavering belief. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter what you told me. I felt a poetry class in uh in college, 300 level poetry class. My teacher, I feel like, I feel like she hated me, honestly. I feel like it was personal. How do you get an F in poetry? <laughs> it's subjective, it's, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: I remember her telling me, so she was a best-selling author. I remember her saying she was from France. She said, Sylvester, your words just don't connect. You know, you just, you just don't know the words. They just don't connect. I said, hmm, okay. So what, what do I do? She says you got to get better. You got to take this serious. She says, you don't take this serious. I said, I do take this serious. She says, no, you don't take this serious enough. I said, okay. You know, a lot of the times we look at that conflict or the opposition that comes in our life and we tell a story that, well, that person doesn't believe in me or this. and they're, Well, you need that. You need that. You need that resistance because she was right. She was right. She made me take it more serious. She made me take writing more serious than I was taking it. And if I didn't take it more serious, I would not be where I am today.
1: Mm. It's the belief. Yeah.
2: To answer your question, your belief system, it's the most important thing.
1: Where was that belief system like, where, where was it birthed from? Growing up in Chicago, obviously it wasn't easy from what you said earlier. You know, so I guess that it would have been easy for you in the ecosystem that you were raised in to probably look at life not happening for you or life not easy is not easy. So this could easily subject all these different belief systems that you've could have grown into. But where did this innate, I guess, inner drive or what I'm hearing really is self-confidence, how did it originate? And I guess from your childhood experience, what has, I'm, I'm curious about this, what has probably been the deepest childhood wound that you've had to integrate as you've grown into an adult male today
2: so the deepest childhood wound that i had to deal with is the 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 recognition that my parents didn't have the capacity to to keep me safe Mm -hmm. fully physically emotionally every, every however whatever pillar you want i was not safe my experience with them was not safe so i had to recover from that wound I didn't want to suffer. Suffering felt out of alignment to me. It didn't feel natural. Suffering didn't feel, it doesn't feel, to me, it doesn't feel like the natural state of human existence. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: You know, Joe Dispenza calls it a state of being. Mm -hmm. The state of being of suffering is not something that I don't align with, (laughs) even as a kid. I didn't have the language for it as a kid, but I had the intuitive understanding that this is not me. This is not for me. I really enjoy I enjoy the ascension, you know, the ascension of earning, learning, experiencing, wanderlusting, adventuring. I I enjoy those ascensions. I don't enjoy the, I don't enjoy the descension into consistent pain, consistent suffering, Mm. because all that is, is a state of being. So my, my mission as a youngster was figuring out how do I get out of this state of being again? I didn't have that language, but I had that intuitive feeling like there's more, there has to be more. I remember uh, Jay-Z and Scarface had this song called This Can't Be Life. It was one of my favorite songs. And it it was, it's a sad song, but I used to listen to it every day called This Can't Be Life. It was me, when I was going through the worst of the worst, I was accepting that this isn't, this isn't it. Like this isn't the whole story. I'm in this, I'm in this environment right now and I can't control everything in the environment. I'm kind of helpless as a teenager, but I got to get through. That's why I did sports. That's why I ended up getting a job in, uh, in high school. Like I was doing full time high school, two star athlete, uh, track and football, and I worked. Worked mm-hmm. at Jewel. Worked at Fud Workers, Worked at McDonald's. Worked at Home Depot. Worked at Burger King. Worked at Taco Bell. Relentless. I I, I can't sit in suffering, because I that it just doesn't align with my state of
0: being.
1: How do you like? I guess I'm I'm hearing this, and I know that some other people probably listening to this too what i what i do here is this like unwillingness to really accept mediocrity this unwillingness to accept like life as it is like there's more there's this inner drive i i feel it i can taste it and i want to step into the more of it and i know for a lot of people we we experience that but it turns into striving right and that that's my story right like i've always known that there's more available to me and so i would hustle i would uh, achieve more i would put in more work i would do more and then i get to this point where i'm just burnt the hell out and i'm tired and now i'm asking like what now like how how do i move forward when i don't have it in me to muster up the willpower to move forward anymore like, how, what is your experience with that? And how are you balancing it even today as somebody that's written eight books and you're still putting out like you, you're a content machine. And I look, I'm like, I'm, and I'll be honest with you. I sometimes look at you and I'm like, how the hell does he do this? Right. Cause I'm tired <laughs> with trying to do one post a week. <laughs> <laughs> You tell me you got a team of fifteen people out there pushing posts outwards. I
2: wish, I wish. If I had a team, I'd be getting a post up every hour. Um,
1: Does that make sense, though? Yeah. I guess the question really is, like, how do we align the passions? How do we create the flow where it doesn't feel like work?
2: Yeah, I don't have. First of all, I don't have willpower. That's not what it is. See, to me, I look at it like this: you have to live a simple life. I'm a very, very Simple, basic, man. I live very simply. Every Everything that you over overcomplicate is hard. Every process that you overcomplicate, you can't, this you can't be consistent with it. This is good. So you got to figure out, okay, how do I do this as simple as possible? Let me simplify every little element of this. So I look at my life and I'm like, okay, laundry. I don't like laundry. It's a waste of my time. So I hire a lady to do my laundry. I like cleaning as far as sweeping, mopping and picking up after myself. I don't like deep cleaning, cleaning toilets and all that. So I hire someone to do that. Okay? The gym, I love going to the gym, but I'm over. I'm over figuring out what my workout is, writing my workout, figuring out what time I'm going. I signed up at F45. They do all that for me. I just go in, I just go at my time, I don't think about it. I don't spend any of my time thinking on, on that type of stuff. So you gotta think about it. What happens is we get what's called decision fatigue. The more decisions you make, yeah. you get decision fatigue. When you have decision fatigue, that is when you go away from that is when you go away from your boundaries. That's when you go away from your morals. That's when you go away from what is going to give you the lifestyle that you desire. So the very first thing is you gotta look at the totality of your life and figure out how do I make my life as simple as possible. So like the laundry, that stuff, you know, the laundry, the, the, the cleaners who come once a month. Going to F45, simple. Social media, okay. I hate social media as a person, but as a business owner, I love social media because social media connects me to potential customers. So social media lets me build a business. It lets me build company. It lets me build connection. It lets me build community. So even though I hate it as a person, because of the, the because I don't feel like people have enough self awareness for how they're using the tool I can't hate it as a business owner okay so then you have to realize that social media is necessary mm-hmm. for your business well it's not necessary it's not let me not, there are people multimillionaires sure. who don't use social media so let me not say it's necessary let me say that I found a necessary use for it for my business so now how do we go about this okay Well, trying to create a post or post every day is journey. So I do batching. So I'll sit down. Matter of fact, my editor, my video editor, just sent me a video uh, file. He just emailed me as we're talking. I'm about to tell you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. He just sent me a video file with 16 videos. That's 16 days worth of content. Mm Mm-hmm. Every single one of these videos has some, I said something in there that I could use as a quote. That's 16 days worth of content there. That's 32 days of content. I post them now, six months from now, I'll repost them again. That's 64 days of content. See, people think with content, you have to come up with something new and inspiring and creative every single day. And it's everything needs to go viral. It doesn't. All you have to do is be consistent. Everything doesn't need to go viral. You don't, don't look at likes. Don't look at comments. You're a creator. Your job is to create. If you care about analytics, you need to hire someone to do the analytics. See, I don't look at analytics. I don't know my engagement rate. I don't know how many followers I lose. I don't know how many I gain. I don't know if my posts, how how much get likes. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Because my whole mindset is I'm a creator. My job is to create and let y'all deal with all of that. Because the second you get caught up in that game, now your life is not simple anymore. Now you've overcomplicated your life. So you simplify your life. What's your job? My job is to create. So I create. So I batch create, whether I'm whether it's writing or video, I batch. With my podcast, for example, structurally, the way I do that, <clears throat> very simple. I only record on Tuesdays. Mm. I don't do any other part of my business on Tuesdays. Tuesdays is podcasting day. If I go on somebody else's podcast, I do not record my own because I don't have the capacity for it. So only one day a week, which is Tuesdays, I record podcasts immediately when I get done with the podcast, I send the podcast file to my engineer. So I think I have, I have three people on my team. I have a, uh, an audio engineer. I have a video editor and I have an, a personal assistant who helps me with emails. She, she handles emails and she, she ships out my books. I like it. Those things, when I first started, I was doing all of that. I was doing the emails and the books, uh, shipping the books. I used to go to the post office myself and mail my books. I would record a podcast, I would put it in Final Cut Pro, I would I would edit it, I would try to get the sounds right. I used to edit my videos Final Cut Pro, I would do the subtitles. I would I would manually type the subtitles. Same. <laughs> All that stuff takes me away from what I like doing, which is creating the content. I don't like editing. I don't like dropping the books off. I don't like responding to emails. I don't like responding to customers. I don't like any of that. So doing the stuff that I don't like again, it's complicating my life. Why? Because I don't, you got to think about it like this. You have an energetic connection to every every behavior that you do. There's an energetic connection. So if my workday, and, and again, it was necessary to get started. My workday was filled with Responding to emails, don't like it. Going to the post office, don't like it. Checking social media every day, don't like it. Responding to direct messages, don't like it. Responding to comments, don't like it. Okay, there's at least five things that I don't like. So why would I make an agreement every day to do at least five things that I don't like? Yeah. When I have an energetic response to that, your beliefs become your actions. Your actions become your lived experience. Your lived experience becomes your emotions. So why am I agreeing to essentially my outcome of the emotion is I don't like this. This pisses me off. This stresses me out. This is complicated. This is draining. This is tiring. Why would I agree every single day to do things that I know the end result is I'm going to hate this experience? That makes no sense. That's a state of being, a state of being I choose not to be in. So my state of being is I am going to do what inspires me, what motivates me, what lets me use my skill set what lets me use my passion, what lets me use what I have the best, what, I, what lets me use my gifts the best. That is, I wake up, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what a perfect day like is for me. Today, actually, is a perfect day. I wake up, before I get to work, I got to work on me. Mm. So my morning routine, super simple. I take out the garbage, I wash my face, I say affirmations, I drink water, And depending on how I feel, I'll stretch or go for a walk. It's 118 degrees outside, I ain't going for a walk So 10, 15 minutes stretch just to wake the body up. Yeah. Okay. I went to the gym at 9 a.m. I was there for, uh, it was a 45 minute workout. It was strength-based legs. I stretched for about 20 minutes after, came home, made a protein shake. I'll tell you what my protein shake is. It's the best shake ever. It's the same shake, okay? One cup of protein flaxseed milk or almond milk, whatever you want. One cup of that. One scoop of protein powder. I use isopyrin protein powder. It's 25 grams of protein, no carbs. It's super clean. <clears throat> I put turmeric, cinnamon, banana, strawberry, or blueberry, whichever. Which, one of those three. Uh, usually two of the three. <clears throat> Excuse me. Two scoops of little, uh, apple cider vinegar, acai powder, one little one half a leaf of collard green, and there's one thing I'm missing.
1: <laughs> it's a meal replacement, ain't no protein shake.
2: It's only like 500 calories. It's not bad. <laughs> so I do that. I drink that. Boom, that starts my morning. I need I need all that nutrition. I need that. I need that in my body. I need all that nutrition in my body right away. So my mornings always start the same. Yeah. It starts with me investing in me. I invest in my body. I invest in my mind. Nutrition, you know, get my. I got to take out the garbage. You know, you can't have, you can't, you can't have garbage just sitting around. I got to take out the garbage. So then I get to work. I don't work more than five hours. Why? Because I used to work 12 hours. I used yeah. to work 14 because I'm building the business. You have to do it. You have to do it at the beginning. But that's what creates burnout. That's what creates stress. That's what creates We're not meant to work eight hours a day. We're not because you don't focus eight hours a day. Your best focus is what? Four to six hours. Come on. That's the best you can give me. So why not put yourself in a position to work four to six hours? So I do five hours, max, max five hours. Uh, I'm trying to get better boundaries with that too to make sure I'm always at five. Sometimes I go over, but my goal is five. Then the rest of my time, I'm either I'm an introvert, so I'm either doing nothing, trying to be alone or vibing with my girl. I have a son trying to hang out with him. Hobbies. I like to play Call of Duty sports. <laughs> connect. Simple life. That's it. And I, tra- I travel, you know, travel hit the beach. You know, I don't drink alcohol. Just just vibe out. Yeah. Just vibe out. Enjoy life. Simple.
1: I love it. It really does. When I even look at my life, especially when I feel like I'm in a season of expansion or I feel like I feel good and I feel clear, it's always this, and it's probably a self-sabotage tendency to try to overcomplicate things, to reinforce a belief system that I don't know what I'm doing or it's too hard or it never works for me, right? Which becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But I do look at my life Um, especially as I feel like I'm on this foundational level of feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to start creating again. I'm doing it from a different place. It's not from this place of striving. It's not from this place of like ego, trying to find significance in this world, trying to find my place in this world, Done so much grief work and around that stuff and shadow work. But now it's like, I find myself over complicating everything and it, it does, it drains the hell out of you.
2: You ever heard the song uh, by Leonard Skinner called Simple Man?
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, I man. Great start song. Singing
1: it, but I would lose all my podcast followers if I started singing.
2: <laughs> That's okay. They'll, they'll come back. They'll come back because they can't sing either. So none of us can sing. And the thing is this. I love that song, you know, because what's the point of overcomplication?
0: Yeah.
1: The
2: point of overcomplication is fear, really. That's what yeah. it is. We're feeding into some type of fear. I feel so like we're like, oh, I'm gonna overwork myself. I'm gonna overstretch myself. I'm gonna overstrive myself because it's gonna compensate for some pain body or some some part of our identity that's telling us we're not enough. I don't believe in that. Mm. I'm a best selling author. If I open my book today, the book that I'm working on, and I can only give you one sentence, that's all you're getting from me. Come on. I don't I don't allow myself to feel like I have to, I gotta write a chapter a day. I got to put out a book every three months. Yeah, economically, if I want to get the bag, I'll be dropping two books a year. I haven't put a book out since May 4th of 2019 because I, I've had to work on myself. I brought a kid into this world. Wow. I went through the pandemic, so I had to heal. Nothing is more important than your healing. Yeah. So if you're overcomplicating your life, you're giving your whole world to corporate America, you're giving your whole world to trying to be somebody on the internet, the, your body knows that you're lying to yourself. Come on. Your body knows it and that's why there's that discomfort. That's you know what? That's why it's chaos. That's why you feel right. chaos. Not you personally, but a person who's going through it. This is why you feel chaos. Because you're not doing enough self-care. You're not doing enough self-love. All this stuff that we're chasing, it will never go away. It will never ever go away. It is always available to us. Always. So I'm not going to force myself to put out books because I was doing that before. I'm like, no, I got to keep it going. I got to keep it going. Scarcity mindset. Yeah. If I don't put out a book, they won't love me. That's not true. Yeah. If you put out a book that makes them love themselves and love their life and love their journey, they'll have infinite love.
1: Mm.
2: Can you rush that? No, you can't rush that.
1: That's good. Even when you think about the simple life too, it's like, as I remove all of the, Um, I guess I would use the word negative energetic connections that I have to doing things that I actually don't want to do. Right. I, and I simplify it and I do what I feel like I'm creating to do or what I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing. It really does create the energetic space. Now in your life, it really increases your capacity to receive what life is trying to get into your, into your life or what the universe is trying to get into your life, but you just don't have the space for it because you've got all of these different soul uh, energetic connections with shit that you just don't want to do.
2: Let me, let me, let me give you something. One second. I got this from Joe Dispenza. Uh, I'm quoting him. I'm quoting him in my book. This is one of the best things I ever heard. Hold on. I love Joe. Yeah. He's great.
1: Helps so much.
2: Okay, I can't find it. I wanted to quote him. I wanted to quote him word for word, but I'm gonna have to paraphrase. So, Joe Spencer says that every time you break the chains of an emotional bond that does not serve you, you now give yourself more energy to focus on your destiny.
0: Yeah.
2: Yep. So if I spend 18, hold on, uh, 24 minus eight, 16. I got 16 hours in my day and I spend 16 of my hours focused on the energetic bonds that don't serve me, that I hate, that I don't like, that bring me into a lower vibration, that make me obese, that make my body tight, that make me stressed, that make me angry, that make me sad, that make me pain. If I spend all my time in those energetic bonds, the relationships, they're trying to fix, fix stuff with your parents who don't want to change, Trying to make your partner see things the way you see things. Why are you trying to prove that point? Why are you focusing on that energetic bond? Trying to change the people you grew up with. Trying to change society. or oh, I'm going to change the world. You change the world by changing your choices and your beliefs. Mm. What would happen if you used those 16 hours and you chose energetic bonds that brought you deeper into your alignment? Come on. That brought you a little bit more peace of mind. That brought you healing. That brought you clarity. That brought you understanding. Yeah. That that brought you growth. You you signal your DNA every time you choose to break up with those the, the ones that bring you into dissension. You signal your DNA that I am changing, I am growing, I am evolving. So all this is, is a choice. The choice comes from our belief systems. So what do you want to believe? Do you want to believe that you are required to continue to invest all your time in the energetic bonds that don't serve you? Or do you want to believe that it's possible to invest your time in the energetic bonds that give you a life that you love? Yeah. It's simply a choice.
1: Yeah. I find myself even looking back at my life. um, And even now when I do, or I am engaging with parts of my life that I don't necessarily enjoy, I do it to protect me from the vulnerability that inevitably comes of going all in on my life. You know what I'm saying? Like if I don't like to do X, Y, and Z, I entertain myself and do X, Y, and Z because if I remove X, Y, and Z from my life, there's no getting around it. I have to take responsibility at a deeper level and know that I'm going all in on what I do love to do. And that's vulnerable because I'm putting my heart out there to a greater degree, right? And I'm risking myself to be seen even to a greater depth, but in that willingness to be seen, I expand my life. So for, from your experience, how do we, because what we're talking about, like changing the beliefs, like there's something happening in our central nervous system, right? We are putting ourselves out there to be seen at a greater level. We're putting ourselves out there to be engaged with in a deeper way, right? And we're also opening ourselves up to criticism. We're opening ourselves up to, to rejection, whatever it might be. And that from a physiological place is damn right damn, scary. Right? So how can somebody that recognizes, like, I just kind of give that example, I recognize this in me, how can I begin from your experience, start to move and shift my belief system so I can better engage with what I'm doing and change my or what I want to do and change my life?
0: You got
2: to invite chaos in. Mm. Because to change a belief system, you're going to have to recognize that your body and your mind may not be in alignment. Your mind, you're telling yourself, I want to stop eating these snacks because I want to lose 20 pounds. But your body, especially if it's addicted to the sugar, to the chocolate, whatever, is saying, hey, every 24 hours, I need you to put some more added sugar in me. I need you to go get that Snickers again. I need you to go get that Reese's peanut butter cup. Well, I love Reese's, by the way. That's my <laughs> that's my problem is Reese's. Uh, <laughs> so what you need is chaos. It's the only way. The only way... The only way you're going to break up with this with this bond you i hate to say it like this is you have to go through some type of pain you have to go through some type of chaos and you have to recognize it on your own that you're not in alignment with that and that you want better for yourself if you are suffering at all your suffering is nothing but a state of being it's Mm -hmm. not forever and like you know when i gave you the example of when i was a kid and i'm suffering I couldn't really change my environment. I wasn't able to get out on my own, get a job, pay rent. I couldn't really do it. You know, I needed, I pretty much couldn't do anything. I was completely helpless. I I would assume that most of us listening to this program are not completely helpless.
0: Mm.
2: I would assume we have a great privilege that we have the ability to pay for cell phones and these computer devices and and tap into the podcast program. I I would assume that we have more privilege and we have more available to us and we're not helpless and we're not helpless. So if you're not helpless, that means you're helpful. So you have to fire the part of yourself that makes you helpless and you have to hire the part of yourself that makes you helpful. Well, it doesn't help me, it doesn't help you to overcomplicate and to do everything. So if if that's what we're working with, we need some chaos. Or well, what's that chaos gonna look like? Well, maybe from if it's a business structure, okay, I might have to give up a thousand dollars a month to pay somebody to do this thing that I hate. Yeah, I don't really want to part ways with the money because I want to hold on to the money. But what do you I really don't want to be doing the video editing? I really don't want to be doing the audio editing. I really don't wanna be doing the emails. So I'm gonna to have to set, you know, Bone Thugs and Harmony, they have this song and they say, uh There's always something you have to give up to get everything you want. The song was called can't give up. There's always something you have to give up to get everything you want. So that's called a sacrifice. Chaos is sacrifice. You're going to have to, you're going to have to sacrifice to get what you want in life. You have to give up in order for me to become a six figure, soon to be seven figure entrepreneur. What I had to give up was my $75,000 job. Yeah. It was hard especially when my mother says you're the highest earner in our family. Why would you give that up? Well, 75,000, mom, I could do that in a month. No, you can't. No, I can't. No, you can't. You can't make, nobody makes 75,000 in a month. Bullshit. (laughs) Stephen Curry makes $43 million a year. That's $130,000 a day. So me wanting 75,000 in a month is chump change. Yeah. Stephen Curry makes $130,000 a day. I'm staying at a job that's making me 70,000 a year. I'm stressed out at the time. I'm 30 pounds overweight. I hate my life. I hate my girlfriend. I don't even wanna to talk to my family. All I'm doing is working 60 hours a week. So I said to myself, I have to give up these energetic bonds. They were, they were a great bond at first when I was at Verizon, but I have to give up these energetic bonds because they're hurting me. Sacrifice, gave up the job, suffered some more, suffered for years until I was able to get this business to where it needed to be. Now this business doesn't suffer.
1: Yeah. You created the space for this business to come into your life. Here's,
2: here's another thing I wanna to say to you before you Please. go to your next question. Please. People have to create their own opportunity. We have to stop waiting for people to validate us, to say, you can do this. I believe in you. you have, most people don't believe in themselves. Yeah. So why are you waiting for somebody to give you a push? You got to give it to yourself. This isn't about willpower. This isn't about motivation. This is about how much do you want to suffer? I don't want to suffer. So I'm going to push myself as simply as possible. I'm going to push myself as simply as possible because I don't want to suffer. I don't want my state of being to be suffering. There's too much out here. There's too much abundance. There's too much success. There's too much happiness. There's too much love vibrating in this universe for me to choose the energetic bonds that aren't, I'm not even going to speak on them anymore in this time because we don't even need to, we don't even need to put our focus there. We need to put our focus on exactly what we want. Yeah, man. See, and you put your focus on what you want, and then what's going to happen, the consequence of focusing on what you want is then you recognize, okay, these are the thousand steps that I'm going to have to take to get what I want. It's not just one step. Hmm. It's going to be at least a thousand steps. I want to be a best-selling author. Okay, what's next? Open your word document. Start writing. Write an outline. Hire an editor. Send send your first your first three thousand words. Send it to an editor. Get this right for me. They send it back to you. Okay, it sucked. Try it again. <laughs> Boom. Okay, I got ten thousand words. How's this? Okay, this sucks too. Try it again. Okay, I got fifty thousand words. How's this? This sucks even worse than the ten thousand. You keep going. We're not we're not supposed to be day 1 successful. Be day yeah. 1 genius. Be day 1 I figured it all out. We're supposed to be day 1, okay, I'm I'm in here. Let's let's see what it is now. Let me take another step, and another step. And let me just keep going. Let me just keep going. It's like football. In football, you got 80 plays, 70-80 plays to determine the outcome of the game. First play of the game, you can come out you could call a play action, boom, hit the tight end for a post tight end, go 80 yards on you. Game over? Game's not over. Yeah. That's just one play. So so what I want us to do is recognize we, we have so many plays to call. So many plays, so many chances. We have so much opportunity. It's so much available to us. It's so much possible for us. We don't have to suffer. We don't have to suffer at all. We can we can do jobs we like. We can be in relationships that, that uh, have a healthy structure that fulfill us we don't you know if you're an introvert you don't have a big friend group you can still have very potent community uh, integrated community like whatever we want regardless of our story is available to us
1: come on man you got my heart racing over here Whew, about to go back to the gym <laughs> no i appreciate that i call the chaos that you speak about i call it uh, a divine ambush. Mm. It's a divine ambush in life. It comes as chaos. It comes as a disruption that completely might turn your life upside down momentarily. But this is, it's divine. It's sacred. It's an ambush that if you allow, it's going to give you a chance to align your life even to a greater degree, which will help you expand your life. And I know for a lot of people, COVID, the pandemic, it created such a disruption for people if they're willing to walk away from things, jobs, relationships, partnerships, agreements that no longer serve them. COVID for a lot of people acted as the chaos or the divine ambush that sent out this invitation into experiencing a richer, deeper, more expansive, and more satisfying life, if they would say yes to that disruption, to that chaos, you know? What was the last sacrifice, chaos, disruption that you had to navigate? What did you let go of? And what did you step into?
2: I made a sacrifice today in my relationship. I've been buying groceries. But when I buy groceries, I just, you know, I'm just like, eh, I get the same stuff. Well, my baby boy, he's 15, 16 months now. He's growing his what he eats changes like every two months, every month he's you know, he started off, he's breastfeeding. Then he's eating like, you know, little parades. And then now this dude eats solid food. He's He, he's like, he eats like a little linebacker. So <laughs> I told my partner today, I said, you know, I have to let go of the groceries because I don't, I don't know if I do it right. I have to let go of organizing food in the refrigerator because I don't even know if I'm doing it in the most effective way. So I told her, I said, you know what? You're in charge of that from now on. I'm, I'm completely giving it up. I'm not going to the store. I'm not ordering the food. You handle it. She was happy. She's like, yes, finally. Like, thank you. Thank you. So the re- I think maybe, maybe subconsciously I was holding on to like an element of control. I mean, I don't know if that's what it was, but I'm assuming that that's what it was. I was holding on to some type of pattern that I was used to because I used to live on my own for 10 years. So I think I was used to the pattern of just going and getting food whenever I wanted and taking care of it but it was causing a disruption. It was causing chaos in my relationship. So today I just said, you know what? I'm gonna give it up. I'm gonna completely give up control of that. Well, again, which makes my life more simple, less things for me to do and you take care of it. She's like, okay, cool.
1: It's nice. I just love the consistent theme to this whole conversation. It's like, this really is like, how do we live emotionally honest lives? Like, how do we live an honest life? And I'm not just talking about like not lying to your partner or to your boss or whatever it might be, but emotionally, energetically honest life. And a great way of navigating that is by simplifying your life. It really is. And it changes everything.
2: Simplicity, man.
1: I love it, man. What? Um, let me ask you this. Damn, 52 minutes already? <laughs> If you could put one thing on a billboard, what would it be?
2: You know, initially I was thinking of what product could I sell? What course could I tell people about? What book could I tell people about? Promote my podcast. I was thinking of, you know, I'm very proud of my business. I'm very proud of what I've created. I'm very proud of it. It serves community. It serves people. It's, it's an emotionally intelligent business. So I don't, I don't mind promoting it at all. But what I think the number one message that people need to hear, because a billboard is a message. I think the number one message that people need to see will be allow yourself to be more compassionate to yourself.
0: Mm.
2: Maybe I will word it differently, but something along that, that lines of just inviting people to be more more compassionate. When you listen oh. to people talk, shame, anger, resentment, regret, sorrow, sadness, discomfort, limiting beliefs, I don't believe in myself. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. This is the state of being that most people speak from. And as a deeply empathetic person, I I get it.
0: Mm -hmm. Like
2: I I, I know why people are in those positions. I get it. There's not enough money. Men are this, women are that. The government is this, I I get it. I get the story, but I just would love to invite people to a little bit more self-compassion. Like it's okay, you're a human. You, you make mistakes, you're not supposed to be perfect. You don't even make mistakes. you're just learning, you're just living. you're just experiencing the whole purpose of this thing is to experience. That's the purpose of life, to experience life.
0: Yeah,
2: to me it's, it's not much deeper than that. Well, what's the meaning of life? You're like to experience life, that's it. Mm. This experience to me is majestic. it's beautiful. it's it's painful. There's dread. There is sorrow, there is grief. There is anger, but there's excitement. There's joy, there's celebration. So I would just say, if I could put something on a billboard, just just something to invite people to more, more self-compassion.
1: I love it. Self-compassion, man. It's it's been the roller coaster of a journey, but when it connects, when you actually feel it, it's just like it unlocks your heart. It unlocks your life in so many ways. Responding to that self-compassion. Well, man, where I'm, I'm curious. Where do you want to be in five years? Where Sylvester at in five years?
2: I'm thirty-five. Uh, five years I'll be forty. My little boy will be six. Hopefully, I'll have a second kid. Uh, prefer to be a girl, but you know, if it's another boy, that's cool. I would like I would like a boy and a girl, but you know if it's a boy, that's cool, too. I mean, I don't really control that, so let's see what happens. <laughs> um, I will hope I will hope to be still sober from alcohol. I will hope to be a loving father. I will hope to be an encouraging but also push them and challenge them, but be loving a lot of a lot of the times when you get pushing and encouraging or mm-hmm. uh, pushing and challenging you don't get the loving you don't get the tenderness.
0: Mm-hmm. So I want
2: to figure out a way to do that to, to still be tender to still be compassionate loving and soft, but also like let them know what's in their DNA. <laughs> right. Like, come on, like there's greatness inside of you so. Um, that would be first and foremost. From a geographical perspective, I will not be in Arizona in five years. <laughs> uh, some beach, somewhere near a beach, doesn't necessarily have to be on the beach, but just somewhere where a beach is in near proximity, uh, where I can can activate some of that beach bomb lifestyle. Come on. You know, some of the, you know, I, I need that. I love the ocean. I love the waves. I love the sound. And uh, being able to activate that more, I think, would be, would be beneficial to, to my life, to my healing. And um, I don't know, Americans care about finances. In five years, I'll be semi-retired. Spending my time working on things that I'm really, really passionate about. I'm really passionate about what I'm doing now. But five years continuing that to be working on what I'm really passionate about, uh, continuing financial freedom and continuing to stay... Dedicated to my body and to my health. And lastly, I hope to still be curious. Come on. I hope I don't. I don't. I hope I don't reach a point where I feel like, oh, I know enough. Or
0: mm. I'm
2: retired. I'm retired now. So, fuck y'all. You know, like <laughs> I, I hope I don't. I hope I don't become that. I hope. I hope I'm still very curious and hungry for information and, and stories and uh, connection.
1: Yeah love it, man. Well, thank you so much for being here today and taking the time. Uh, I always feel anytime we have had the chance to connect, I walk away feeling like a bigger person, a bigger, more expanded me. And so I, I deeply appreciate the uh, work that you have done in your life uh, to create these spaces, uh, to help people expand their lives. It, I, I know that it's cost you a lot, as we have heard uh, some of your story today. So I just want to honor you and sincerely say thank you for saying yes to that that's still small voice in your life guiding you down your own journey so thanks man and honor you and I appreciate you thank you working where, can, uh, you. where can our people find you I'll have everything uh, in the description of the podcast is there anything that you're doing that's coming up in the near future that uh, you want people to know about or
2: you know just 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 tap in my name is Sylvester Mcut the third. you can find me wherever yeah. however whatever your your internet habit is I'm on there so if it's YouTube Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I'm on there. If you like podcasts, I'm on there. You can find me just, you know, if if I could offer you, if I can offer you something, you can find me and we'll we'll go from there, whether it's a book, a course, a podcast, or even if you wanna just stop by and say, hey, you know, thanks for jamming with Caleb. That's, you know, (laughs) that makes me happy. You know, when I first started doing podcasts, I always saw it as an opportunity to sell, like sell my books and my courses. And again, I have no shame whatsoever. Um, but I recognize it's best for me, I, I recognize at least for, for my peace of mind, it's best to just tell people my name, what I'm about, what I stand for, and mm-hmm. they'll find they'll find it, they'll find that. what they need, you know?
1: I do. Do you actually have two more minutes? I have a question for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, I got time. I to ask
1: this earlier and I totally spaced on it, but for somebody that creates so much content and you put yourself out there when you create content, and I know that you talked earlier about I don't bother myself with anything else other than creating and putting it out there and letting you deal with that. And, I, and that really speaks to me. But I know that in creating content, I know that myself and so many others have dealt with this idea of imposter syndrome. So have you ever dealt with imposter syndrome? If so, like, what is that? How do you navigate? How did you navigate that? How did you, you know, find yourself on the other side of it?
2: Your work isn't for everybody. Yeah your work is serving all the past versions of you. And what you have to remember is that there's millions of people who are in the energetic bonds that you've already broken yourself free from. Come on. So if you're a coach or you're a chef online, you may know how to make the perfect filet mignon. And to you, you're like, who am I to teach people about cooking filet mignon I'm not Gordon Ramsay, but that's a lie because there's millions of young chefs there's millions of even even, let's not even use young there's just millions of unexperienced chefs people who are aspiring to be a chef and they may come across your video on YouTube for how to cook a perfect filet mignon and you may inspire their entire career simply because you shared what you've already mastered what you've already learned you don't have to be Jordan Peterson. You don't have to be uh, Gordon Ramsay. You don't have to be Floyd Mayweather. You don't have to be Steph Curry. Mm. You don't have to be Oprah. You don't have to do Steve Jobs. You don't have to do this. But if you're like, hey, I want to be, I want to box. I want to have a talk show. You know, I want to create some type of uh, technology that helps the world, do it because you're serving also, not only are you serving the past versions of you you're serving everyone who vibrates identically to you at this moment, which is millions and millions of people.
0: Yeah.
2: When I was stuck in my story, when I was stuck in the pain of my story, I'm a victim of child abuse. I'm a victim of of two parents who are both alcoholics. Uh, My father used to psychologically abuse me. My mother was emotionally cold and emotionally unavailable. All women are like my mother and all men are like my father. When I was stuck in my story, every single person I met vibrated at the vibrationally, energetically, at the same level as me. So all we did was bonded. We bonded over that trauma, come on, over that story, over that pain. But when I decided to transcend my environment with my belief system, my actions follow. The consequences of my actions follow, my emotions started to change. I started to let go of that old story. And every time you let go of that old story, that old body, that old identity, You now have more energy to invest in your destiny. Mm. So then I invested my energy in what do I want? I was in a toxic relationship because I was toxic. Mm. Because my identity was toxic. My belief system was toxic. Everyone blames the other person in a toxic relationship. Blame yourself. You're choosing the toxic relationship. Blame yourself. Yeah, I chose a toxic relationship. Why? Because I was toxic. Mm. Because my belief system was toxic. And then I I gave that up. I gave that up. I'm not in a toxic relationship. I'm in a healthy relationship. I gave up the toxic job. Now I have healthy work-life balance, if that is such a thing. I have work-life balance. Now the people in my life, I don't drink alcohol. I, I I think I'm 90 days sober. Now the people in my life, they either don't drink, they either gave up alcohol, or they have what I would consider to be a reasonable and healthy relationship with alcohol. But when I was stuck in that story, I hung out with alcoholics, even though I wasn't one, but I hung out with alcoholics because I was stuck in the story that I grew up with alcoholics, this is how people are. Mm -hmm. So we we have so much available to us. And if you get stuck in imposter syndrome, you got to think about all that stuff I just gave you on this side. There's just so much. There's so so many people who need to hear what you have to say. And, And you know what? Last thing I'm gonna say is this, it's not even about the external validation or the external connection of other people finding what you have to say. It's about that fire inside of you that's saying, I need to share this. Whether a million people see your messages or 10 people, what matters most is that you have that fire inside of you and you say, you know what, I need to share this. I need to share my art. I'm a dancer, I need to share my dance. I need to share my my chef skills. I need to share my poetry. I need to share me speaking. Whatever it is, share. Because when you get to that graveyard, there's no turning back. Mm-hmm. When you get to when you get to that deathbed, there's no more. Oh, I wish I was whatever age again, so I could go back and do that thing again that I had that opportunity to do. There's no more. I'm at peace with my with my with my career because I gave it everything I have. I'm at peace with football, I gave it everything I have. I'm at peace with every relationship I've ever entered and that has ended because I gave it, I, I gave it what I had, I gave it the best of me. So I when I walk away from any situation, I have complete closure because I know that when I'm in the situation, I'm given complete investment. So all I'm asking you to do, whoever's listening, is to invest in whatever it is that's burning inside of you, that's calling you. It's possible, you can do it.
1: And what happens if they say they don't have anything burning inside of them, or not this, I have a message that I know that would help a lot of people, but there's no need to share. I don't feel this need to share
2: you're not required to cool not required
1: to at all i feel that thanks brother man i appreciate you so much